Welcome to the Chime Opioid Action Center podcast, where healthcare leaders explore how technology is making an impact in the fight to end the opioid crisis. Here's today's moderator. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for this Chime Opioid Action Center podcast. Today, I'll have the great opportunity to talk with Dr. Keith Welchi, CMIO at Freighter Health. And we'll be talking about the prevalence of opioid drug diversion and his experience as a CMIO in raising awareness. Hi, my name is Amanda Hayes. I'm the Associate Director of Medical Affairs at BD. I've been a pharmacist for over 20 years. And as a part of my career, I have unfortunately seen too many healthcare workers with substance use disorder that lead to drug diversion cases. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you today, Keith. Keith, would you mind uh, maybe sharing a little bit more about your background and Freighter Health? Sure, thanks, Amanda. Yeah, I'm Keith Welchi. As you said, I'm the Chief Medical Informatics Officer at Freighter Health in the Medical College of Wisconsin. I'm relatively new there. I started in December of 2021. Uh, Freighter Health is um, an eight hospital system, about a thousand beds total, 2,000 physicians, you know, and 1.1 million um, ambulatory visits a year. So pretty, pretty busy organization based in uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, it sounds like you certainly have a big job there. And I know uh, that you're also an infectious disease doctor. So maybe as we talk about today, you'll be able to share some unique insights about being an infectious disease doctor and sharing, uh, seeing patients with substance use disorder. So yes. maybe what can you tell me about caring for that population? Yeah, so I am, my background is infectious diseases and, and healthcare epidemiology, and I remain clinically active. And we certainly have seen among ID providers an increase in the sequelae of um, IV drug use as, as unfortunately more, more people are turning to intravenous drug use. You know, we're seeing increased rates of endocarditis, skin and soft tissue infections, other sequelae. And, and these can be devastating for these patients, especially with um, relapses where they might've already had one heart surgery for valve replacement and then you know, require second or third surgeries, which become increasingly risky for the patient. Um, so the opioid um, pandemic has certainly raised a lot of infectious disease issues. Unfortunately, stories about individuals with substance use disorder may also include healthcare workers. Tell me a little bit about what you've heard about the prevalence of opioid drug diversion among healthcare workers and maybe any firsthand experiences you've had. Yeah, the, you know, look, looking at recent data um, suggests that you know, 10 to 12% of, of Americans will use an illicit substance um, with, within the year. Certainly only a small, smaller percentage of that are using IV drugs and, and, but there's no evidence to suggest that healthcare workers have higher or lesser rates of, of substance use. And so that does mean that some fraction of our, of our healthcare colleagues um, are using illicit substances. Um, so sometimes, unfortunately, you know, they're tempted then to divert drugs that were intended for patients to their own personal use. I think, it's not what starts their, their diversion, but having become addicted, it seems like an, an opportunity. This is not a new problem. This problem has been going on for, you know, as long as there have been healthcare workers, I'm sure. Um, I recall, you know, decades ago when I was training, um, one of my residency colleagues um, was actually found unconscious in a, in a restroom on one of the inpatient wards because he had been diverting drugs from patient PCAs uh, for personal use and, and inadvertently overdosed. Fortunately, 
he was was found and resuscitated and subsequently admitted to a, a substance use treatment program and was able to return to the to the profession with with close and appropriate monitoring um, but but was able to you know proceed with a successful career um, so, so this is not a, a new problem unfortunately but it it is one where we know it's a problem and so it's incumbent upon healthcare systems to ensure that they have robust um, monitoring systems to prevent this you know i think of it like a bank where you know, they have a lot of auditing and other monitoring programs to ensure that um, employees who deal with cash transactions are, are monitored, not for lack of trust, but just so that everyone knows they're, they're being watched and um, to reduce any temptation to um, divert funds to their own personal use. Likewise, we want our healthcare providers to know that we have monitoring programs in place um, to reduce the temptation they might have if they unfortunately are using substances to divert those substances to personal use. Thank you for sharing that story. I think it's so inspiring to hear that that individual was able to find a path to recovery and a way to continue uh, being a provider. And so thank you again for sharing that story. So maybe just taking that a little further, as an IT leader, it sounds like maybe your role has started to evolve uh, as it relates to this. So maybe tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing at Freightert. Yeah, so I think you know it's important to recognize that when we think about the issue of, of opioid abuse and, and potential diversion within the healthcare setting, that this isn't just a pharmacy problem, it's not a nursing problem. It's really a challenge for all leaders within the healthcare system. And for our health IT leaders, for our CIOs or CMIOs, we need to consider what technologies can we apply to these problems. You know, certainly, the EHRs themselves have um, increasingly better and better tools for, for auditing, and auditing has long been a mainstay of, of diversion programs, making sure that the um, amount of um, narcotics dispensed um, equals the amount of narcotics delivered to the patient and plus what's wasted. So um, you think about banks and uh, people who handle cash at banks. Again, there are robust systems to audit and to monitor those employees um, to make sure that um, no one is tempted to uh, take some of the available cash for their own personal use. We need similar robust systems in, in healthcare. And so it's auditing is, is, a, is a mainstay. But increasingly, you know, just simple auditing programs aren't necessarily sufficient. Um, at Freighter, we use our EHRs functionality for auditing. We also use um, third-party auditing software that um, you know, includes things like supply chain um, data to make sure that we have a comprehensive picture of narcotics that are coming into the organization and that are being dispensed and um, either administered to patients or, or wasted. Um, and, and we get regular reports on that. Um, increasingly now, though, we have additional tools with um, more sophisticated software that we also use. Um, it starts to get into the areas of machine learning and, and AI to take not only basic auditing capabilities, which is important, but to start looking at patterns of um, use. So that can be things like, you know, are certain um, nurses or other healthcare workers just using an, an inordinate amount of um, narcotics from the automatic dispensing cabinet? Um, are there significant and repeated delays between dispensing from the cabinet and administration to the patient? 
is there excessive wasting? Um, and, and these patterns can be um, difficult to, to monitor for, especially you know, given that practice is different in different sites within the hospital. So it might be very um, normal um, practices in a post-operative area might be very abnormal on a you know, medicine floor. So with, with improved software, um, you can look at um, unusual, look for an unusual patterns, not just unusual in the broad sense, but unusual for that particular area or for that type of provider. Um, even, even down to things like, um, does a certain nurse always document wasting with one other nurse, so-called so waste buddy, um, with not the expected variation in, in supervising the, the wasting, um, things that might send red flags. So, you know, there are increasingly um, improved technologies to, to monitor for um, unusual behavior. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, you know, I know early in my career as a pharmacist, we were typically thinking about standard deviations. So how would you, how would you think about using standard deviations in the setting of these newer approaches like ML and AI? Yeah, I think that the notion of standard deviations um, continues to be a good one. I, said, my background is in epidemiology. Um, I think just a, a simplistic notion of looking for someone who's, you know, more than two or certainly more than three standard deviations outside the norm um, will potentially generate um, a fair number of false positives or and will also miss cases. Again, if you're looking at just the overall picture, because there is a lot of um, area to area variation. Um, and so we, we do have to look at um, what's abnormal for that particular area or that particular kind of provider um, to, to see whether or not their, their patterns of behavior are unusual. So by using more sophisticated software, AI and, and ML software, um, we can incorporate those other factors, like I mentioned, to, to see if we can um, refine the estimates of what does lie outside of normal variation. Um, and, and that's an ongoing process. You have to evolve your what you're doing. And sometimes you also have to be very careful that your data are good. Um, I know before I arrived at Freighter, um, I had heard that you know, they had also tried incorporating some data from our, our HR systems um, to, again, look for patterns in, in scheduling and all that that might signal problems. Um, but because, like many organizations, we're using a lot of agency nurses nowadays, and those data weren't in there, it was developing um, a, a lot of false positives because um, nurses who weren't, quote unquote, on the schedule were, were pulling meds from the automatic dispensing cabinet, and that was raising red flags, which, of course, it was just uh, an agency nurse who wasn't in the HR software, so or the, that, that kind of thing. So you do have to be careful with the, the quality of the data you're using. But I think with, as software becomes better and better, we can look for the signals to indicate there might be an issue here. And that's the other important thing to recognize. Um, there's, there's no ML or AI software that's going to detect diversion. Um, what the AI or ML software will do is flag behaviors that warrant additional investigation. We want to be, you know, very careful because we, we know that statistically speaking, 
you know, if you're looking at two standard deviations, 5% of the population will by definition be above or below um, that, that 95th percentile or the two, two standard deviations plus or minus. So um, you just have to be very careful that we, we're not incriminating people because of what is in fact just a statistical fluke in the data. Um, but again, we, we do want to make sure that we're looking at those data, seeing who might warrant additional investigation. And with these additional reporting tools, the more sophisticated auditing tools and, and the wealth of historical data, um, we can use those tools then to generate additional reports that may not be part of our ongoing monitoring program, but to really look for patterns in the behavior of that particular individual to see if it, they warrant even, even further investigation um, into possible diversion activities. Yeah, that's a that's a great um, kind of precaution for those who are looking to implement software that may be using AI and ML with drug diversion. Are there any other kind of things that you think people should be considering as they implement um, artificial intelligence into their drug diversion program? Well, maybe not necessarily in artificial intelligence. There, there are other opportunities to use technologies, again, to, to look at diversion. Um, again, in very high-risk areas, I know that, that freighter we have a fantastic um, pharmacist program with our pharmacy to, to monitor for diversion um, in, in very high risk areas. You know, the wasting is, there's actually take, take back by the pharmacy rather than um, wasting into a wasting cabinet. And um, they're using spectroscopy to look at um, the drug identification and drug concentration, again, to make sure that there's been no substitution or, or dilution of, of uh, narcotics during uh, the, the process. So there are a number of technologies that we can use to uh, help monitor for that. Um, on the, you know, the CMIO side along in terms of the electronic health record, we can also um, help with the broader issues of, you know, narcotic use by having things like smart clinical decision support um, and that even gets into order sets. So, you know, carefully reviewing order sets to see how much are we relying on narcotics for analgesia, you know, in sending patients home or as inpatients. Can we substitute um, you know, non-steroidals, high-dose non-steroidals, for example, um, instead of narcotics um, for, for patients? This then actually reduces the need to dispense narcotics within the inpatient setting. Um, and can, can help reduce the risk of you know, diversion by um, trying to guide our, our providers to, to think carefully about the use of narcotics and not use narcotics where it's not necessary. Yeah, that's certainly great advice as well. I mean, there's so many times where I think um, organizations have relied heavily on opioids as first-line therapy. And I think that's a good uh, advice there to take a deeper look at how much is actually being prescribed and creating that opportunity for drug diversion. I know early on in your career, you also spent a little bit of time focusing on patient safety and quality. So what are your thoughts about a drug diversion program fitting into that quality structure as an ongoing part of this opiate crisis we're facing? Well, it's certainly, I mean, Monitoring for diversion, I think, is, is an important part of, of quality um, because this is impacting the quality of care we're delivering to patients, right? When, when narcotics are diverted, 
not only is it a problem for that provider um, in terms of their, their ongoing um, substance use disorder and the, the risk to, to them and the risk to their performance, so, but it, as I said, it's, it alters their performance in delivering healthcare. It also means we're not, provide, we're not often delivering um, analgesia to patients that they're expecting. Um, and so that's deteriorating, you know, it's a quality issue in terms of the quality of care we're delivering to that patient by not controlling their pain appropriately. Um, we're also putting them at risk for outbreaks or, been, or inf infections. There have been numerous outbreaks associated with um, drug diversions where patients have gotten hepatitis C or gram-negative bloodstream infections um, because of the um, diversion activities with, with dilution or potentially contamination of, of the narcotics. So in terms of fitting into an overall quality of care, um, I, th I think we do need to consider drug diversion as being part of a quality program, both in terms of the quality of care we're delivering to our patients, but also the quality of support we're providing to our um, clinical community. Yeah, it's certainly concerning to hear that some healthcare workers have even put patients at risk of infectious diseases by um, their drug diversion activities. So that's a, that's a great precaution to share as well. So what would you say to the IT leader who's looking uh, for a way to take action uh, to reduce the chance of opioid drug diversion in their organization? Yeah, there's a, a lot of opportunities. Again, the the EHRs themselves, the, the pharmacy modules, um, you know, continue to improve in terms of providing tools to do basic auditing and, and looking for some patterns around narcotic diversion or other other substance diversion. It's important to take stock of what you have already. You know, talk to your pharmacy leaders, talk to your nursing leaders to see what's already being done. Look at what's available. Um, then. If you don't have a robust program, to look at auditing, you know, improved auditing tools to make sure that um, you have the fundamentals there, that basic auditing in place and reporting. Uh, and then as the sophistication of the program improves, um, look at the opportunities for more sophisticated software that incorporate AI and machine learning so that you can reduce the false positives, um, but also re reduce the false negatives and not, not ignore problems that may be there that wouldn't be caught by just a very generic monitoring program. Um, and then, you know, with, with that, you can develop the amount of sophistication over time as, as the, the pharmacy and nursing gains experience with using the software as you have gained confidence in what dimensions you're looking at. Um, like I said, in looking at terms of provider type, the unit type, the patient type, um, even associations like are there are there wasting buddies, um, and a lot of the software gives you lots of opportunities. Um, you know, with time we may go back to incorporating um, scheduling data once we have you know, more reliable data around who's supposed to be working shifts, who who you know tends to work extra shifts when there's the opportunity for offering narcotics, um, those sorts of things. So. Um, Start, start simple, but make sure you, there is a program in place. Um, and then as, over time, develop your, your toolbox to make sure you have a robust program. And like I said, this is, this is not simply a pharmacy and nursing problem. This is a problem for all 
health IT leaders, our CIOs, our CMIOs, we need to be helping develop solutions, not only on the um, auditing and surveillance side, but also on the side of reducing the use of narcotics where it's not necessary. And this ultimately does impact in the quality of care we're delivering to our patients, ensuring that our patients are not put at risk for adverse events and are getting the, the level of care they need um, when they do need analgesia. Thank you so much, Dr. Welchie, for your time today. I want to certainly applaud your organization for taking kind of a comprehensive multi-factor approach for preventing drug diversion and using some advanced uh, tools to be able to help support your teams that are, are doing their best to try to prevent and detect drug diversion in your organization. So thank you again for your time today, and it was great catching up with you. Thank you, Amanda.